Previously on Lost, this is for 46 and three minutes to get through. If you can, if you actually believe that this is only going to take us three minutes to get through, you are sadly mistaken. Because so many things happen in this episode. One of our hosts on this episode has an issue with this episode. We'll find out who that is in just a second. But until then, we are going to be talking about the episode three minutes. I am Mike, and I have some awesome hosts with me, Corey and Steven. How are you guys? Oh, doing great. Doing great. Excited about this one. Doing a lot better than Michael, for sure. <laughs> yeah. A lot better than uh, Libby or... A lot better than Libby or Anna Lucia. Oh, oh, too soon, too soon. <laughs> too oh, soon, no. yeah. <laughs> too soon. Oh, anyways, hey, glad you guys are doing great. And uh, we uh, there's not very many as far as network announcements, but we do encourage you to go to Discord and uh, stay in touch with us. We are getting close to the end of season two, and because of that, we're gonna be trying some new show formats when we hit into season three. So if you got any ideas or, or theories or what we can do. I encourage you to jump into Discord and let us know what you think we should, how we should handle some things, or find us on Twitter. And we'll get all those Twitter handles here um, in just a little bit. So let's say we uh, dig in this episode. What do you think, Corey? Let's do it. This, right, this... we've been. This is episode whatever. I'm just gonna say we've been on the island now for 65 days, almost two, a little over two months. Yeah, long time. I was going to say, just to clarify, that this podcast is going to be longer than three minutes. Uh, I don't want people to be confused by the title of the podcast, so uh, just prepare yourself. <clears throat> uh, but let me, let's me let get started on what happened last time. So previously on Lost, Michael returns and tells Jack, Kate, and Lucia, and Locke that he found the others, saying that they are worse off than them and that they have a hatch of their own with only two armed guards, uh, which <laughs> we'll get into those guys. Uh, he says he <laughs> he says he didn't see Walt, but that he will lead them back there. And then also Michael shoots Anna Lucia and Libby and frames poor Henry. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. All right, we got. Uh, Season 2, episode 22, first aired on May 17th, 2006, directed by Stephen Williams and written by Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Uh, Michael's whereabouts during his 13 days in captivity in the other's camp are detailed. While in the present, he tries to convince Jack to help him mount a search party for his son Walt still being held captive. Meanwhile, Locke struggles with a, choice, ch with a choice whether or not to abandon the hatch. All right, all right. Uh, so just some facts about this episode. This episode was filmed roughly one year after the season one finale, where Walt was taken by the others. Even though only two months has passed since the plane crashed, you can visibly see that Walt has aged during the scenes with Michael in the tent and is kept predominantly in the shadows. I actually noticed this when I'm watching this scene with Michael and Walt in the tent. I got a little irritated by the fact that it was all, it was so dark. And when scenes like that are really dark and there's not a lot of light, it's very difficult to see um, what's going on. And uh, but I understand why they did it. It's just it does make it very interesting um, choice there. Um, little, another because uh, what you was a, little, to say, a, little, Steven, a little Game of Thrones action there. Nothing like a dark. Dark scene, the, the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the oh, yeah. Episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, another episode fact, Anna Lucia and Libby's joint funeral, as well as the other events of this episode, excluding the flashbacks, take place solely on Thanksgiving Day 2004. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez and Cynthia Waltros do not appear in this episode. Their bodies there are covered and portrayed by extras in the entire episode. 
This is the lowest rated episode of Lost Season 2 on ABC with a total of 14.67 million viewers. Okay, that's interesting. It, here's what's interesting. That's the lowest, but if a show had that many viewers today, they'd still be on. Yeah, that's an insane number for today's standards. Right. Especially since like everybody's streaming now. Nobody's watching live. But if you think back in 2006, 2007, around these episodes, 14.6 million viewers was still a lot of viewers. Yeah, when you think about you'll see like some of these small roles um, that are going to be kind of notable. Uh, there's at least one in this episode. It may seem like, oh, just that guy just does this little role in Lost. That was a ton of exposure back then to get that many people um, watching you. So it's not quite the same as as some of the, the all of the hundreds of streaming shows competing with each other on you know every other service. Oh yeah. Uh, something else about this episode: at forty three minutes and seventeen seconds long, this is the longest episode of Lost that has not been extended past the time, the one-hour time slot. So, barring, like, the season finales, this is the longest episode of Lost. Oh. So. I, I, I think that, you know, there was a lot to cover in this episode, so I'm glad they maybe cut back a couple commercials and gave it, you know, the time it needed, because um, there was a lot of story to tell here. Yeah. So... So let's talk about the story then. Uh, who wants to go first? What you know, what do we want to talk about? A storyline? Do we want to talk about a person? Um, do we want to talk about the funeral scene and the awkwardness? I I don't know personally. I think it's it's hard to um, to figure out how to talk about this episode. You can do it chronologically or kind of as the story was told. But I kind of like the way they jumped back and forth, you know, between the flashbacks and the, you know, the story kind of unfolded well. So, I don't know, like, to me, I'd like to start at the beginning, you know, with the, um, you know, we, we pick up on a scene we, or you know, I guess we didn't pick up there, but just kind of what happened in the hatch, you know, we, we saw uh, Jack walk in on lock knocked out before and when michael was taking off after walt and now we get to kind of see a little bit more of what was going on in that scene you know michael talking to you know quote unquote walt on the computer um you know told him to head north to the the huge rocks with a big hole in it do you do you <clears throat> think that really was walt i i don't know is that ever answered it's it's I don't think it's ever answered. Personally, I think it was because Walt we know has special abilities. But what and the reason the only reason I go that route is because the guy that Michael walks up on, the one that's peeing in the middle of the field, looks um looks almost surprised at first to see him. Like he didn't expect somebody to be out there. That's true. But so I don't know if it was a setup, really. It kind of seems like it could be a setup, though, that he was luring him in. I I kind of always felt that it was a it was the others and not Walt who he was talking to. Um, and you know, I, the the others didn't wear these costumes every day. Um, so you know they're out there and they're in their you know primitive clothing i kind of feel like they knew walt was coming or michael was coming sorry yeah i mean all right i, I give you that so we I, I agree with you i do like to know what happened to michael i did like that fact that we got that as a flashback rather than just a normal flashback here's where i have an issue with this episode i yeah, I'm felt interested like in that. I felt like what they showed us was more than what we really needed and a lot of time filler. For a 43-minute episode, like, I didn't think we needed everything. It's like, I felt like they broke up unnecessary scenes, they showed us unnecessary things, but part of it could also be the fact that 
I've never been a huge Michael fan, anyways. Like I just, I just, I, I liked Walt. I didn't mind Walt, but for some reason, I just, I never took to Michael, and I just, I, 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 I don't know. I, I felt like the flashbacks we got for him, it's. If they had done this like they did the other 48 days earlier in Season 2, I would have completely bummed the episode out. But See, Go ahead. No, but I was just going to say, I just feel like they gave us more than what we really needed on it. And, you know, we, we I didn't care how Locke got knocked out. I mean, we knew he got locked out. I mean, knocked out by by Michael. We knew Jack found it like that. We We understood that. I didn't need to see... You know, him go to the computer to type in, you know, who he's talking to. We knew he was talking to somebody already, so he could have just walked out, you know. And I just felt like there was a lot of extra stuff in there that we probably just didn't need. Like, I didn't – did did we really need, apart from introducing, like, Alex, really introducing Alex in the middle of the woods, did we really need to see the scene of Michael standing there with all the torches and and friendly talking to the rest of the Losties. I just didn't think we did. But that's me. So. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I actually have, I agree with you on some of that. And then, but overall, I think I have kind of like the opposite take in a way. Um, <clears throat> like, I think that I actually would like to have more of this Michael story Specifically of like when he's actually at the camp there. Now and I think that the, I will agree with that one. I don't mind. Like I would have loved to seen more interactions with the others rather than just, hey, sit here. We have your boy. Was he different? Here's the tent. Like I would love to have seen interactions more with the others rather than some of the one scenes that we got. We just didn't. I think we needed. So sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I think some of that stuff is it's kind of cool seeing like the other side of it seeing that you know michael's back there you know behind the bushes when for the whole hunting party scene but i just overall like that stuff i was looking at the episode like the time there i was like oh we're almost halfway through the episode and you know we're not even caught up to the stuff because i think as a viewer you want to know what happened like after we last saw michael like when he's like gone like after the hunting party, like I don't really, I agree that you don't really need to be caught up in all that stuff. Some of it's interesting. That's why I, I wonder, like, if there was ever thought of instead of having this be a big secret, which I guess it would take away a lot of it. But if if he would have been there for a couple episodes, and you could kind of go back to seeing where how things are going there. I mean, maybe that just wasn't going to work. And with not being able to utilize Walt, because if if you wanted to have more of that other's camp, you'd want to have a few more scenes with Walt, and like obviously they're trying to minimize that. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see more of this other's camp, and you know these clue and the, these characters, and kind of figure out um, a little more of what Michael's going through. It, it feels like there's a lot um, kind of crammed in there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a, a mixed bag in some areas. We, we do get some new characters. I mean, we just kind of mentioned it. What do you guys think? Is this, so we get Alex, and I think this, is this the first appearance of uh, Pickett, Danny Pickett, who's going to be kind of, he'll be a little more of an important character. I think actually three. pretty important for the first <laughs> half of season three. Yeah, which it's interesting seeing this guy because he was, if you remember, and he looks so different, but he's like the the big bad guy. I can't remember his name in the final season of Breaking Bad, final couple seasons. Yeah, I never saw Breaking Bad, so the crazy, I don't know. yeah, kind of like crazy neo Nazi guy. Um, yeah, he's he's intense in that show, and it's really hard to tell that they're the same person. They look, he's so he looks so different in that, but now. I had actually just watched a little bit of Breaking Bad recently, so when I was watching this, I could actually really see the, see him as the same person. Uh, so that was interesting. Yeah, I, I do believe this is the first time we see him, and I gotta say, like, I feel like this particular episode, I haven't watched as many times as a lot of the other 
season two episodes because I kind of forgot about the whole him, you know, peeing on the tree and then how uh, Tom Friendly, as Michael runs away, throws the, the little uh, rock and rope contraption. I, I completely blocked out that scene and that was kind of fun. I don't know. I just, I remember when you saw that, it, it, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of changed the way I viewed the other's capability. I don't know, just something about that, the rocks, the rock sling scene, I really enjoyed. I, I agree. I, I, I do like that, the the um, the caveman-esque style of, of capturing a prey. So I, I agree with you, I did like that. As, as far as Alex goes, I don't think this is the first time we've seen her, if I remember. I yeah. thought we saw her in the episode Claire was captured. And 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 in the station, yeah, yeah. So it was good though to see a little bit more from her. Um, Pickett, it almost reminds me of the others' version of Sawyer, especially when you get into season three. It reminds me of the others' version of Sawyer. That's a good comparison, actually. So, but anyways, but yeah, uh, it was good to see the other side um, of the others. I, I wish we could. We, we said it before. I wish we could have got more. Why do you think they have to do this? No, that's another topic for another time. I was going to say, why do you think they had to do this ruse? But we'll learn more about that when we get to season three. Yeah, and, and that'll come up a little more in uh, the finale as well, the next episode. Mm-hmm. But I guess kind of going back to the beach, so I think the most important part of this episode is getting to understand like why Michael you know, murdered them and like why he's acting the way he is, which it does a good job of explaining that. But it, it's so, it's such an interesting dynamic, like watching him interact with the beach crew. I think that it's, you know, that, uh, Paranow does some pretty good acting here. He's like just so paranoid and it, sometimes it's, it's like a little frustrating to watch just cause like you, you don't know how to look at this guy. Like, am I supposed to hate him or like him? But he does have a couple moments that are, like, somewhat touching. Like, on the beach, the re- he has the reunion, and he uh, gets to, uh, you know, see Sun and Jin, which I think his relationship with Sun is one that is kind of, like, sad, because, like, that was a pretty important relationship in Season 1. And we get a little bit of a conclusion here. Yeah. Uh, before, you know what's going to happen before him can basically uh, going off on the journey next episode. Yeah, I, you know, and, and again, even though I may not like the character of Michael, I do think that Paranel did a great job as far as acting the part of, of his character and, and, and doing the lines and, and, and acting the way he did. You know, you mentioned that, but you kind of mentioned the, the paranoid you know, kind of a thought in his mind that as, you know, I mean, he was a dad who's doing anything to get his son back. You know, he he saw his son hurting. And, of course, we, we get that famous line, for somebody who often wants his son back, you know, he sure don't know a lot about him. You know, it, 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 it so I, I think that, I think he's a great character and a great acting, and, and he, he did a great job as, as far as acting with the character, especially with Saeed. But I wasn't. A, I just. I just don't like the character mainly. I, I don't. I don't like this version of Michael. I like the first season one version of Michael better. I. I. I gotta. I mean, I agree. As far as um, Harold Perrineau does a great job in this episode. Just you can kind of see on his face how much he's struggling with what he had to do and what he's having to do currently. So I mean, I, I think. He does a great job in that. I always was drawn to the Michael and Walt story. Um, and, you know, I kind of hate where it ended up. But as far as in this episode, I mean, when when Michael killed Anna Lucia and Libby, I mean, I think this is, once you get over the shock of it, you kind of assume this is why. It had to be something he had to do to get Walt back. And, you know, to me, the scene where he got his 
you know, three minutes with Walt, which wasn't a full three minutes because they pulled him away. Um, I really felt for Michael in that moment. Like, he was just, he was broken. He he finally got to see his son. His son is scared. He, he, he will do anything to get his son back. So I, pers- I felt for Michael in that moment. And you, you could see after that, he, I mean, he just, he said, what do I got to do? You know, and then he proceeded to do what he had to do. My problem with it is that nowhere in here did she tell him that he had to kill anyone. So, my, my problem with Michael, I think, is his execution of what he had to do. He could have done this in a way that didn't murder these people. You know, he still would have had to betray some of his friends and bring them. But he didn't necessarily have to kill Anna Lucia to do it. So I've always kind of had a problem with that. But but as far as his desperation um, in this moment, I, I really felt it for Michael after he got to talk to Walt. Yeah, I think that the the Walt and Michael reunion scene, um, you know, we've mentioned a few different aspects of it, but it is a very emotional scene. Like, I felt, like, I definitely felt a lot of emotion and a lot of sadness. Like, you, you see them come together, and it is a, it's a powerful moment. And then when they, they pull, rip him away, it's just, it's, it's gut-wrenching, man. It's brutal. And, you know... They basically, you know, kind of hold him you know, at a ransom. Like, we have your son, and you have to do this. And you can see the powerless look on Michael's face. Oh, yeah. And, and so it does a good job of explaining, like, why he's acting the way he is. And basically driving him to a level of, of insa- near insanity. Uh, kind of reminds me, uh, the movie, was it John Q? When... Uh, Denzel Washington like holds up the whole um, hospital, you know, gunpoint to um, is he gonna get his daughter or his son uh, surgery, heart surgery, or something like that. So, I mean, it, it it does show you they try to really portray like what you may be willing to do when you feel forced to try to um, you know you're trying to save your kid. Well, but I, I yeah. But I'll I understand what Michael. Ahead. But I understand what Stephen's saying. Like, could he have tried to find another way without murdering them? <laughs> I think he could have tried. I I do think that. I don't think he would have been able to get Jack and Sawyer and Kate to go in and Hurley to even go gallivanting off with them if he didn't have somebody killed. And the reason I say that is because yeah, they were building a quote unquote army <laughs> to go after the others but they it, it's almost as if he knew they needed something that would push them over the edge to arm up and go to get the group that he needed to get to bring like he knew if 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 somebody else died the right way that jack would be furious and jack would want to go after and obviously sawyer's going to want to go because sawyer's you know always looking for a fight and he has the guns Kate's obviously going to want to go because, you know, her two boos are going, so she's going to want to follow along with them. And, you know, but also because Kate's very curious, as we know. And then um, Hurley was the wild card, trying to get Hurley to go. Because, you know, Hurley, I don't think he meant to kill Libby. I do think, Michael, it was an accident that he ended up killing Libby. I think he was just trying to get Anna Lucia. But he had to somehow find a way to get Hurley to go. So I think there was a necessary moment where something had to be done that would force their hand. Because it almost seemed like, in Michael's perspective, you keep talking about it, you keep talking about it, but you're never doing anything about it. You say you're going to get my boy, but you're never going. So it was almost like I've got to force their hand in kind of way to get these people there. Well, yeah, yeah, I I, I can understand that. But I think this was... He it wasn't premeditated when he no when he shot them it just kind of happened like that and it just um, well I think I think Ana Lucia was 
I mean, that one was a little bit more. Yeah, he he because because he he took his time before he turned over and pulled the trigger on her, That's and true. he looked at the gun and, and and just thought about it. You could see him thinking about like, I know what I got to do. I think Libby was the accident. Libby wasn't the one who was supposed to get killed. Yeah, and I think I think actually you're right in that regard. But the bigger motivation to keep it a secret was, I mean, just think if he told. Jack and everybody like, hey, I've got a. He just was totally honest. I have a list. There's four names. It's it's you, Kate, Sawyer, and Hurley. They w- there's no way Jack would agree, Locke or whoever else. They would not agree to just walk them in there like that. They would try to do some sort of sneak attack thing, which they end up trying to do with with Saeed, and they would try to find a way to. Um avoid the three of them um getting you know handed over to the others because that's you know what happens so i i understand why michael felt like he had to keep it a secret but of course you uh would have hoped that they would have just tried to figure out a way because i think it's possible that they could have uh actually taken them or, or outwitted them in some way but the others yeah. are pretty cunning, and whether whether it's Ben or some of his lackeys, like they are very good at convincing people and deceiving people and getting in people's heads. So, um, Clue does a good job with this. Which this is funny. So I always thought Clue. Uh, I thought it was like the word Clue, Ms. Clue. <laughs> Me too. So, but, don't uh, feel bad. Then, I had the subtitles on it spelt K L U G H. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But she's she's a pretty cool character and I think she uh she only comes back again briefly yeah. in season three. Yeah, and she gets killed up in season three too, unfortunately. Yeah. We never get much more of a backstory about this lady. Yeah. Well, do you guys want to backtrack a little bit? Before we go to more present day stuff and, and uh, talk about Echo a little bit with uh, Echo and Michael near the beginning. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about Echo. There's this interesting conversation about forgiveness, and he tells this story about when he was a priest, and there's this boy who beat a dog to death with a shovel because the dog bit his sister. And the crux of the story is that. Uh, the boy was not necessarily worried as much about... He wanted to know if he was going to hell. He wasn't worried about the punishment of going to hell as much as he was worried that that dog would be waiting for him in hell for some sort of revenge. (laughs) Which this directly correlates to, you know, Michael dealing with um, having killed these two women. And he, you know, basically kind of asking, like, am I going to hell? And I'm not sure what Echo really knows here. Echo has become so... Uh, he's so zen and spiritual, it's hard to really read him at all. I I, I do think that you do get... Um, I, I don't think... I don't think Michael really... I don't know how to say he's not going to go to hell. <laughs> or is or isn't. But I think he's going to be in his own personal hell when he gets back home because he's living with the guilt of have of killing Ana Lucia and Libby. So it's not the fact that the forgiveness and the thing that bothers him is not the fact that he kills them. It's the fact that it it haunts him that he's killed them, and it's caused that str- everything he did when he op- when he had just had to tell somebody he told Walt, and what did Walt do? Walt shut him out of his life. And and you know just appalled by what his dad did to get him back. So I think, I think in a way Michael was living that, even though he felt like he may have gotten forgiveness for it, the hell he was experiencing will will, will be the fact that those people haunt him, and he's lost that relationship with his son later on. You know, obviously we're going to get into that, but I did like this talk on forgiveness with from from Echo. Of course, Echo did have another big talk later on with Charlie as well, but. I mean, I always enjoy a good Mr. Echo story time. John, John Locke story time and Mr. Echo story time are some of my favorite parts of the show. <laughs> yeah. And I I got the impression watching this, like, I felt like Echo knew something. 
Um, you know, between Michael sitting there cleaning up the blood on the ground, um, and then asking about hell, like, I feel like Mr. Echo has enough life experience and in his brief priest experience accepting confessions. Like, I feel like he felt Michael was trying to confess something to him and whether he killed him or not, but just... Michael had a guilty conscience here, and I think Echo picked up on that. That that's my, that was my reading of the situation. Um, yeah, I agree with you. He seems like he knows something. He knows that Michael feels some sort of remorse, and he may not know exactly what happened. But yeah, it's it's interesting. You have Echo, who is able to you know read people um, pretty well, and then. Uh, Saeed. So you've got the priest who hears confessions, and then the uh, the uh, interrogator, the torturer. So <laughs> two dynamics there. Yeah. What did you What did you think about the Echo and Charlie talk? It was good. This was actually a good. This this episode brought some good um, closure for Charlie, and Charlie comes over, and he, you know Charlie was in a bad place early this season. And he was kind of just linked up to being Echo's buddy and and doing the church with Echo. And now uh, Echo's like, peace out, you know, you're on your own again. And so with Charlie, his first reaction is to be angry that he's being abandoned. And Charlie's I mean, he's kind of a jerk here. He's like, go get your own stuff or whatever. Uh, and I, I understand Charlie's frustration. They're, they're like, you know pretty far into the building this church and as we can see later charlie is struggling without echo's help but it was it was a good good talk and you see that echo is really like gone down his own path now and he has yeah he's very strong-willed in what he's going to do i i definitely felt for charlie in this scene um for one thing i i enjoyed his you know you don't call you don't write um, comment. Just, I personally say that to to my friends quite often. I've always loved that saying. You don't call. You don't write. So I enjoyed that. Um, but as much as I love Mister Echo, he's probably my favorite character in the whole show. I did not like him in this scene. Like I really? don't. I don't know. Not that I, I mean I, I love the performance, but I don't like what he was doing. I, I don't. I understand he. He thinks that the button is is his new job. You know, he he thinks it's more important than the church. But the way that he did, he didn't talk to Charlie about. It. You know, he he could have explained himself a little bit better, other than just telling Charlie to bring him his things. Um, I just thought the way he treated Charlie in this scene was was pretty lousy. Um, so I, I definitely understood why Charlie, you know told him to bring his own things. Because um, I really enjoyed the Charlie and Echo team up throughout the season, and, and I kind of didn't like how Echo treated Charlie here. Yeah, not a lot of compassion, really not a lot of explanation here. And kind of just leaves Charlie to figure it out on his own. So, Speaking of Charlie, let's talk about Charlie. Two big things happened to Charlie in this episode. The first big thing that happened to Charlie is he got in good with Claire again. Yeah, he he strategically positioned himself next to her during the funeral, so uh, she reached out to hold his hand. That was good. good oh, you got that, and then, and then he he brings her the 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 medicine that she needs for the hair and the baby, and there should there should should be enough in there for quite a while for him. But for her and the Bible. Yeah. And I, I thought it was nice that he, he took one himself to to make sure they were safe, you know, before giving it to Claire. I, I think that's a a very smart parental move. And I think Claire appreciated that Charlie thought of that. So I think that went a long way when it came to Claire. Yeah, I, I think he does a good job. It took him a while to finally learn that you can't force yourself back into someone's life. You can try to be prepared for when they can accept you back in, but you can't 
you can't earn trust back overnight. And he's been a little more patient, and he tried to approach her, and then, um, you know, she finally has kind of uh, said, okay. So that was great to see. I think, you know, all Lost fans love the the, the pairing of uh, Claire and Charlie. It's it's very, it's you know, from the beginning of the show, it's been very important. And then I think an even bigger moment of closure and a great Vincent moment. You have to have Vincent in the episode if it's going oh, to yeah. be about Michael and Walt. So Vincent comes over and drops down the statue <laughs> of the Virgin Mary. And he's like, what? Like, is this a joke? Like, <laughs> who convinced you to do this? Is this, is this like the island's <laughs> sense of humor or something like that? And, uh, you know, so Charlie follows Vincent back and gets gets all of the statues and just chucks him out into the ocean like he's hitting golf balls and it was it was a very it seemed like a very therapeutic moment for charlie and it was great like we could finally put to rest this like uh heroine um story to to pretty much complete pretty much completely you know this was we had the story arc of charlie in season one which was very satisfying and then we kind of see him like fall back down and have this other dark path and it's again related to his addiction even though he doesn't um you know relapse but this was like a way to really end that end that arc and it is satisfying like i know that there's controversy about how you get to this point you know with a couple of those episodes but this point was actually a really satisfying moment it was one of my favorite moments of the episode yeah well, I, you know, I, I got I got two things about that moment. Number one, um, I do agree that, and I kind of wrote it in my notes that this was kind of his defining moment um, in his life because everything that bad that happened to him stemmed from the heroin addiction and and you know the loss of Claire. They're going crazy and playing the piano in the water to you know crazy night dreams to his his season one issues. Everything stemmed from the heroin. So that was number one thought. Number two was, didn't Jack just use this heroin as a as a as a as a uh, as a uh, uh, pain relief when it was an extreme pain? So what I'm thinking is, yeah, great defining moment, but dang it, if they need a strong pain reliever again, Charlie just chunked away all the heroin. Yeah, I definitely thought that too. He he probably should have checked with Jack before that, or or broken the statues and given the heroin to Jack and thrown the statues. He could have done something else symbolic. And there's also zero chance those statues don't show up again somewhere on the island. You know, he doesn't throw them that far out into the ocean. There's no way those don't get washed back onto the island at some point. But well, you know, it, it it made a nice TV moment. It yeah. Did. <laughs> and it was it was a way to like show the viewers like hey we're done with this like this is the conclusion of that like we're not gonna have him break open the statue again um but you know, another point is charlie is as we'll learn in season three a pretty good swimmer and he can dive underwater really far so he could get them anytime he, he wanted so in other words what you're saying is he could have still been he could have still been sneaking the heroin and just not yeah. telling anybody yeah. Uh, well, one random note I wanted to bring up. We'll go back to some other stories, but there's a lot of people getting knocked out in this episode, and just like the nonchalantness of like the way people just take the butt of a rifle and just decide like to, you know, knock someone unconscious. It always gets me watching TV, like how they, like sometimes it happens, it makes sense, but man, it happens so much in. Uh, in TV, especially, it seemed like in this time. And and how does everybody who knocks somebody out know where to hit somebody in the back of the head? Like how to perfectly like do it? Like can't you just hit perfectly. someone really hard and it just hurts really bad and doesn't actually knock them out? Yeah, I mean, like, Alex, like everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, Michael can do it. Alex can do it. And I mean, Vincent could probably do it too. It just I mean, like there's so much more awareness about head injuries. You have to think, like, is it worth it to, like, knock someone unconscious? Like, I mean, obviously they don't care that much, but, yeah, we know uh, it can be some long-term damage from any one of these hits. 
<laughs> oh my. <clears throat> yeah, I, I carried you <laughs> up that one. That's good. Oh, and of course, do we talk about the big thing at the end? Boat, boat, boat. <laughs> oh yeah, we got well, we, the, we got the boat. The the kind of funny thing about that is that it's actually Libby's boat that shows up at her own funeral. Um, you know, we don't we don't know this yet, but uh, that's the boat that that Libby gave to Desmond, and Desmond's on it, so it shows up at her own funeral. Just a little bit of irony there. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it was nice of Desmond to bring the boat by. <laughs> nice showing. I don't, <clears throat> I don't think he had much of a choice in that matter, yeah. as we find out. <laughs> yeah. There's also a couple of good moments between Jack and Sawyer in this episode. Yeah. When they, they're going through, they're, you know, they're getting all the guns ready. They're prepping everything for this uh, this attack. And they have a little bit of guy talk. They're talking about, uh, and, you know, it's actually nice. You see Sawyer is showing, um, he's really actually seems to be mourning uh, Anne Lucia's death. And that they, you know, had shared a pretty intimate moment just uh, the day before, I believe. Uh, and t- he says to Jack, yeah, you know, we, we got caught in a net. Jack says, what? He said, we got caught in the net. He said, what? He said, we screwed in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Which which Sawyer thinks that that was uh, Jack's euphemism for, you know, for sex. That's, that's what the kids are calling it nowadays. <laughs> and Jack's like, no, we, no we, we actually got caught in a net. We were really caught in a net. <laughs> Oh, and then Sawyer has that that moment right after that where I really like because I think it shows a lot of growth in Sawyer, even though it was just a one line. It was a lot of growth where he said, um, when Jack asked him, why are you telling me all this? And he said, because, Doc, you're the closest thing I've got to a friend. Yeah, and I think that hits hits people uh, pretty hard when you think about these people being stuck there and. Sometimes you forget. I mean, it's easy to think about Sawyer as like, oh, he's just this like slimy con man. But um, you know, everybody needs a friend, right? Yeah, yep. I, and a polar I, bear I'd biscuit. Say, <laughs> I, I'd say this was probably my favorite part of the episode was the Jack and, and Sawyer stuff. Um, it just throughout the show, you know, we get this Jack Sawyer kind of. You know, they're kind of enemies, but also friends. Um, and, you know, from the scene in season one where he tells him about his, his meeting his dad, you know, is one of the best scenes of the show. This, this is another one that's pretty high up there for me. Um, it, Yeah, just Sawyer being human and, you know, basically admitting that he views Jack as a friend. It's, you don't expect him to say it, but um, you, you see it in his actions. And... I, I just I enjoy the dynamic between Sawyer and Jack, and and this this episode was great for that. Yeah, I think I think a real um, real punch to the gut would have would have been if they hugged it out. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that neither of them are really the hugging type. <laughs> no, not not at all. Uh, by the way, I do want to go back to somebody who needed a hug in this episode. Can, can somebody please give Hurley a hug? Please, the man, yeah. the man is like they're arguing about fighting in the hatch, and Hurley's like, "We haven't even buried him yet," <laughs> and and they're just laying there on the floor, and I'm just and and people just everybody just shuts up when Hurley says that. He's like, "Guys, we we haven't even buried them yet," and then and then you have this scene where Michael comes to him. Michael just starts talking about it to Kate, and then he looks at Hurley. He says, "Hurley, you in?" And then he's like. No, I'm 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 good, and and then he's like, "Well, come on, man, didn't you really kill Libby?" And I'm like, "Right then is probably why I hated Michael. That that is probably the moment, Corey and Stephen, that I hated the guy." Uh, yeah, I understand that. The dude is mourning, and the only thing you can think about at the moment is your son, because you've got to get Hurley to go with you. And I get it; it's his son. Yeah, they they also kind of explain. You know the way they told this story, they kind of explained it to you. So you, at the, while at the same time you don't like him, 
treating Hurley that way, you can kind of understand why. And it basically said, if you don't bring these people and only these people, you'll never see your son again. And that was the scene. It was either, I think it was right after that. And then you see, oh, okay, I get it. Michael is really, you know, he's really screwed if this doesn't work out. You know, he's got to get Hurley to come with him. And, and that's not going to be an easy thing to do. So it, but at it least really, he could, yeah, no, he, he definitely could have handled it better. And I, I also enjoyed Kate in that scene. You know, Kate really kind of had Hurley's back. Oh, yeah. Kate was there. Kate was there digging graves, which, you know, of all the people on the island, Kate didn't have any particular reason to be one of the ones digging graves. But she was, you know, being supportive with Hurley and, and helping out and watching over him. I, I thought that was really nice of Kate to do. Yeah, I think this is a good performance by Jorge Garcia. Like, it's interesting to see, like, how far this character has grown and come along, like, as originally just seeming like the the comic relief you know he has like a pretty uh intense uh scene like monologue he gives at the funeral there that is really uh, really touching so really heartbreaking and i think it's like one of the you know key moments of the episode yeah it's really good uh, any other any other thing you got cory i think y- yeah i i will of course have to bring up my buddy john locke here who would I'm not sure if he actually says anything in this episode, nope. but there's a few notable <laughs> moments. <clears throat> I thought it was kind of ironic that when Charlie is throwing all of the uh, the statues into the ocean, the camera turns and you see Locke sitting there kind of smugly. He's got the you know brace and everything on his leg. He basically hasn't moved all episode, and it's it's just interesting seeing he kind of he smiles and like. Him and Charlie, Charlie have kind of like a like hey we're cool moment a little bit, but to see how the tables have turned because yeah. you know way earlier in the season it was Locke who was everything was great he was like one of the most important people in the in the group and he had it all together and Charlie was like the one who was lost and down in the dumps now it's the opposite Locke is flailing and. Charlie seems to have everything in line, so definitely a, a role reversal there. And then the, the last moment, Locke at the end, I think it's a pretty cool moment. He just decides to take his knife out, cuts the brace off, stands up, walks away, and leaves the crutches. So foreshadows uh, the events of the next episode. Classic yeah. Locke moment, just saying, <laughs> I don't need this anymore. It's about to get real. You know, it's very interesting to me, and as we'll find out um, in the next episode, too, um, that Locke's name was not on that list. Uh, As big of a person in the show as there is, like, Locke's name was not on that list. Or even Saeed's. Well, you have to remember why they're getting them. I believe this is all for, I mean, maybe they hadn't come up with this yet, but, I mean, Ben had told Locke he, he was coming there to get Locke, to, you know, bring him back, which I think was a lie that he made up to make Locke feel special. But what actually is going to happen is they're going to, they need Locke, I mean, they need Jack to do the surgery, and they're going to use right. Sawyer and Kate as, like, a way to convince Jack to do it. His prisoners, you know. I think more or less so like 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 Kate I think would have been the better one for for Jack as leverage over Sawyer. But Kate Kate needed somebody there to, you know, warm her up at night, I guess. Well, it, it's like Kate <laughs> is the the one uses leverage for Jack, but they use Sawyer as the one to be like leveraged against Kate so that she'll convince him. Well, yeah. Works pretty well, actually. I don't know if they planned and they that, even, but... and they even get some polar bear biscuits for behaving. So I mean, yeah. it works out yeah. good for everybody. Oh, well, well you guys the, got anything else? The only other thing I got is the other person on the list being Hurley. Obviously, we can talk about the Hurley part of the plan next episode, but the the Saeed of it all, and, and as I said. I feel like I haven't watched this episode as much, so I was 
kind of learning as I went. And I found myself saying, you know, like the whole time I was at, what about Saeed? What about Saeed? And then remembering, oh, yeah, that is like a major plot point of this story. It's like, yeah. For this mission, like, Saeed is the obvious person, and everybody there knows it. If you're going to do something like this, you want Saeed, and, and Sawyer obviously knows knows it. And there, that's really, Saeed is, you know, how they find, you know, who figures out that, that Michael isn't telling the truth, which, that's a great scene, too, both when he talks to Michael and then when he explains it to, to Jack walking to the funeral. Um. But yeah, there's just—I don't know what Michael could have done different. There's no logical reason why you wouldn't want Saeed on this trip with them if you're going to get back your son. Like it may, you know, he kind of gives them the excuse of, "Well, you're going for revenge, and I'm going to get my son back." To which Saeed is rightfully offended. He's like, "Do do you really think I would, you know, risk your son's safety just for?" revenge and that's you know that's not who Saeed is and you know he was offended Michael said that but it just it didn't make sense and obviously we know why Michael had to not bring Saeed but I don't know there's no logical reason he could have given them why he wouldn't want Saeed to go along yeah I think that is actually more the last moment I wanted to bring up too was I really enjoy Saeed it, you, it might not be that hard to figure out, as you kind of pointed out there, Stephen, but I I find that scene really entertaining when um, you can kind of tell that Saeed just agrees in that there, like, there's something else going on in Saeed's head. Like, he knows something. And then when he actually, the moment when he's walking with Jack to the funeral, he says, no, Michael's been compromised. Um, this, this is what we're going to do about it. It's, it's a pretty cool moment, and it sets up uh, the next episode really well. Do you do you do you, do you think Jack knew that 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 Michael was was off somehow, or and just wait for somebody else to notice, or do you think he really didn't just genuinely did not know? I don't think he knew. I think there's so much going on, and I think Clue said it uh, to Michael. He said they're going to be so angry that they will not they'll believe whatever you say, and I think that's what was going to happen except for Saeed can see through that stuff. And yeah. So, well, I mean, Jack did question him at first and what ended up turning him was, you know, when, when Walt said, or when I keep getting Walt and Michael confused when Michael said, you know, you don't, you don't have a son, you don't get a say in this. And I, I, you know, I think is Jack is still dealing with, the fact that he didn't trust Claire in the first season and she got, you know, when she came to him with motherly concerns, he didn't trust her and she got kidnapped because of it. Um, and I, I think he's, you know, he still remembers that. So I think here he chooses to trust, you know, a father. And, you know, I feel like he kind of learned from his mistakes with Claire in this moment and obviously, you know, this one doesn't work out as well. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. It's good. All right. <clears throat> Let's rate this thing then. There is no in memoriam because we kind of said goodbye to Libby and Ana Lucia last time, but uh let's uh let's rate this thing. Corey, how are we rating this episode? Yeah, we're gonna do our twenty three rating system here. And we're going to do it between 1 and 23 huge rocks with square holes. It's a very <laughs> specific landmark that Walt told Michael about. And it does oh. look really weird. I don't think we ever figure out why this exists. Like, why there's a hole in this rock. If it's just no. Mother Nature or if there was some... I think it's, I think it's kind of like Mother Nature there. slash... You know we, know, we know we had, like, the Egyptians and the ancient people living there at one time too so maybe it had something to do with them yeah so all right so steven why don't you uh lead us off here all right i i gave this episode a 21 out of 23 um huge rocks with square holes uh, <laughs> i <laughs> i i enjoy i enjoy say. the yeah i enjoy these episodes that are not our traditional, you know, flashback 
island story flashback. I enjoy the, you know, the the twenty whatever the twenty thirty three day whatever the the backstory of the Tailies was. Um, the 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 episodes that kind of tell a different type of story, and and I enjoyed this. This was the answers we were needing for the that we didn't get last episode. We got this episode. Um, I enjoyed again the ja- the Jack and um, Sawyer stuff a lot. So I thought it was a good episode. All right, and Mike, what about you? I'm going to give this episode uh, a whopping 13 out of 23. Now, before Ooh. I get crucified on our huge rock with a square hole, I just have to say this is the reason why I give it that low. So I do understand this is the penultimate episode, and while I do like the actor, Michael's and I think his acting in this episode was good. The character of Michael just really just rubs me the wrong way in this episode. Not that the acting was bad, but I just I, I didn't I, I felt like it was they were stretching for why he had to do certain things. I did enjoy seeing the backstory, although I felt some of the backstory was just unnecessary. I would have liked it focused a different way. So for that reason it's 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 middle of the road. You know, rating you know, thirteen is a middle of the road, so it's not, it's it's average, but it's not blow me away. Oh my goodness, kind of an episode. So, thirteen out of twenty three, uh, huge rocks with square holes in it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so I'm gonna be closer to Steven. I, I'm glad we have a differing opinions here because I think that represents the fan base because a lot of people feel. The same way that Mike does, and just kind of hate the way this this arc ended and like where it went, and and it's just unbearable to see like you know how the the things that Michael does, and some people really love this storyline. I, you know, I I like it, love it, I love parts of it, and I think you can have a different take on this episode, kind of like depending on your mood some like when you watch it like because there's sometimes where i didn't feel this way but i'm a uh, long-winded way of saying i'm going 20 out of 23 so obviously i'm rating it pretty high uh, yeah. i thought it was a good episode i like this is a penultimate pen so episode sets up the finale and i think a lot of those times a lot of the times those episodes can suffer because they're just so much setup. i liked that there was a lot of things that were actually revealed in this episode, it wasn't as much of a setup episode as some of them are going to be down the road. Like To get Michael's story, to get the the Jack and Sawyer parts, and to get the conclusion for Charlie, I really appre- uh, appreciated all those moments. So, good episode. All right. In my opinion. Oh, sorry. 20... Out of 23 huge rocks with square holes, I have to actually say it. There, <laughs> there you go. Which there is exactly go. how Walt typed it on the, sc- the on the or whoever typed it to Michael. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our ending discussion here. Um, unanswered questions. You know, we don't have anything down, but I do feel like there were some unanswered questions in regards to that to the others camp here, you know, who, who built the huge rocks with square holes? Why, you know, why were they there? The, the hatch that was there that I believe we find out in the future leads to nothing. Like I, why this was here and why it was used as it was. I feel like there was some unanswered questions there. Um, we don't get a lot more about that, but um sawyer's name dictionary we had a quite a few this episode um called saeed the red beret called saeed captain arab um called hurley the grape the grape ape uh called kate pippi longstocking um didn't call her freckles however so we're still on 13 on our total freckle count um Got some pop culture connections here, mostly tied into the Sawyer's names. Pippi Longstocking um, was the main character from a series of popular children's books by Astrid Lindgren. Pippi is a nine-year-old girl who lives with a complete lack of adult supervision. She is very unconventional, assertive, and extraordinarily strong. 
see why he would call that sounds a little bit like kate um the uh the great grape ape show that's a that's a tongue twister uh that he uh, called hurley the damn grape ape the great grape ape show was a saturday morning cartoon <laughs> produced by hannah barbera productions that was broadcast from 1975 to 1978 um that was a good show i say i, I mean I, I thought i knew hannah barbera from from my childhood cartoon days but i don't remember this one i i don't know they must not have ran the reruns as much as they did some of the others um moby dick um sawyer refers to saeed as captain arab another uh another somewhat racist nickname from uh sawyer a variation of captain ahab a character from this 1951 novel by herman melville ahab is a tyrannical captain who is driven by a monomaniacal desire to kill the whale that has maimed him um, that Captain Arab nickname could also be a reference to Bob Dylan's 115th Dream. Mm. This song is a, is a surrealist adventure where the narrator, who calls himself Captain Kidd, discovers America prior to Christopher Columbus's visit, along with his crew and Captain Arab, only to find out that it's not the pure, primitive place that it at first glance seemed to be. I've never heard of that song. <laughs> no. Me neither. Uh, and I'm a Bob Dylan fan, so I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me see. Um, mm. special, yeah, fo- <laughs> special forces. Saeed refers to Saeed, or Sawyer refers to Saeed as the Red Beret. Red Berets were worn by the Iraqi Republican Guard, and the reference is made to Jack, so it is a variation of the Green Berets of the United States. And then also Dirty Dozen, um, Sawyer refers to possible members for an A mission as the Dirty Dozen after a group of unconventional and or criminal heroes in this 1967 war film. Nice. All right. All right. So let's see here. Next episode, guys. This is it. We have finally made it this far. Uh, we are we are at the precipice of season two finale. Next time here on Previous on Lost, we're going to talk about live together, die alone, and uh, we are going hey, to much, much like the uh, 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 season one finale. We're going to cover both episodes um in this finale so if you're gonna watch it watch watch parts i almost said watch parts watch <laughs> parts one and two and uh, we'll discuss those and then we're gonna kind of have a retrospective episode uh recording after that but i'm excited by this finale this is it, it's one of my favorite finales um of the show so it, it's a good it's a good finale um actually it's one of the most unique finales because there's not like, the quest is not as important as, like, the other stuff. There is, like, a, a little jaunt through the jungle, but it's a little bit of a red herring in that the important stuff is more with Desmond back at the hatch the whole time, so. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, to, to be honest, though, like, most of the like, I don't think there's really a finale I don't like in this show. Like, the finales for Lost were very, very good season finales and series finales. Yeah, so, they're all great. They're all great. They're good. But next time, live together, die alone is where we're going. And if you want to reach out to us and tell us what you think about the episode, or if you're um, considering to tell us some of your thoughts on season three coming up, you can follow us on Twitter. The main network's at RetroZapped. Our Twitter's at Lost Rewatch Pod. Our Instagram is previously on Lost Podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash lost. I'm on Twitter currently at the DC Mike. Steven, where are you at on Twitter? I am at Lucky13Steve on Twitter. All right. And Corey, where are Corey, what about you? Oh, yeah. You can find me at Original Mav. All right. And you can find all of their stuff on Random Chatter at Retro's, uh, not random chatter, <laughs> RetroZap. Go to RetroZap.com 
for all your information. They have uh, shirts and articles and everything you can imagine, and probably a link there to show you how to join our Discord. So, uh, with all that being said, anything else, guys, you have for this episode? No, I'm excited for uh, Desmond. A uh, special announcement. We're going to be doing the next episode all uh, in Desmond uh, accents, so be prepared oh for that. Oh my goodness. I'm going to completely butcher it. <laughs> hey, brother. First, first five seconds. So this is a good episode, life. brother. Yeah. That, that, that's like one of the biggest memes and gifts that I see out there right now, or is the one where he, where he flips the key and says, see you in another life, brother. <laughs> I see that everywhere. Mm-hmm. So... There's a lot that in him running through the jungle naked, but we'll talk about that at another time. So, all right, guys, well, we're heading out. So uh, we'll see you next time here on Previous on Lost. Peace out, everybody. Peace out. Have a good one.